Section 26 of Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shashank Jakmola. Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages by Wilhelm Wagner. Section 26. The Hagling Legend 2. Hetel. Now about this time King Hetel the Hagling lived at Castle Maitlane in Denmark. He was a bold warrior and Northland, Friesland and Datemarsh owed him allegiance. Many princely heroes were about his throne. Chief among them was his kinsman, Old Wait, who bore rule in Sturmland and was famous for his doughty deeds of war. Not less celebrated were the minstrels, Horand and Fruit, both powerful lords in Denmark. Then came Idol the Swift, from Freisland and Morung of Nifland, bold warriors both, and they were ready to help their liege lord. One evening, at the feast, Morung of Nifland advised King Hetel to seek a wife and said that Hilde, the Irish princess, was the best maid for him to woo, for she was famous in all lands for her beauty and virtue. And Horund answered that the lady was justly praised, but that wild Hagen, her father, would permit no man to woo her, and that many a noble warrior had met his death in fighting with him for her hand. The king was much taken with what he heard of fair Hilde, and greatly desired to raise her to the Hegeling throne. He asked who would undertake the wooing for him. The courtiers advised him to make old Wait his ambassador, and although the lord of Sturmland had no desire to go on any such errand, Yet he promised to set out, and said that if Horrent and Fruit would accompany him, he had no doubt the wooing would be successful. The three warriors, joined by Idled of Nordland, prepared to set out on their journey. They took a small fleet of ships laden with costly wares and a thousand armed men, and started on their mission. After a long voyage, they reached Balian, where Wild Hagen held his court. The arrival was greeted with the utmost amazement, for no one in Ireland had ever seen such splendour before. The masts of the Danish ships were of shining cypress wool, the sails of purple silk and the anchors of silver. Sailors in rich garments bore foreign wares from distant lands out of the ships and spread them before the astonished multitude. The captains offered rich articles for sale, explaining that they were merchants and had come to Balian on a trading expedition. When King Hagen heard what was going on at the wharf, he and Queen Hilde went down to the ships to see what was to be seen. Then Fruit at once came forward, and drawing him aside, explained that they were not really merchants, but fugitives, who desired to be protected from their king, Hetel the Hageling. Hagen laughed when he heard this, for he had long wished to try his strength in single combat with the Danish king. So he told the warriors to be of good courage and to come up to the palace with him. The strangers accepted the invitation. They gave the king and queen rich presents of garments and precious stones. Indeed, their riches seemed so inexhaustible that Hagen would willingly have kept them in the country and given them houses and lands. But they pleaded that they had left their wives and children in Hagenlingland, where they hoped one day to return. They all met in the banqueting hall, and the strangers were presented to the princess. Wait alone spoke little, and often looked out towards the sea. Go, Hildy, whispered the queen, 
and greet the foreign lord with a kiss. The girl started with fear, for the hero of Sturmland was a full head taller than any of his comrades, and was a stern-featured man with a large hooked nose, bald head and long grey beard. What are you looking at, Lord Waite? said the queen. Do you see fairer woman on the shore than here in the hall? I am looking at my ship, answered the hero, for a storm is coming on. Then the princess smiled and said, Are you not happy with us, noble warrior? Or do you always wish to be out among storms and fighting? Lady, said Wait, I never learned to talk sweet talk with women or to dance with girls. I only care for the dancing of the stormy waves and for the din of battle, with the norns sing of conquest or a glorious death. This was the speech of the stern old man, but the other warriors talked of the lovely land of the Hegelings, of its castles and grangers, and of the minstrels and knights who served their ladies in all honour and modesty. After this they took leave of their hosts and retired. The next day passed, as was usual on such occasions, in jousting, feasting, and minstrelsy. Horan used to sing early in the morning and in the late evening, before the queen and her daughter, who were both delighted with his voice and his songs. Once, when he was alone with the princess, he sang about a great king who fell sick with love for a beautiful maiden named Hildy. The princess felt that there was something hidden behind the song, so she asked at length who the king was that cared for her, upon which the minstrel showed her a portrait of King Hetel, and told her of her father's stern cruelty to all noble warriors who came to Balian to woo the princess. He told her also on what secret mission he and his friends had come, and entreated her to come with them to Hegelingland, where the king was waiting eagerly for her arrival. Once there, he continued, he would sing to her every day, and so would King Hetel, who knew far more beautiful songs than he. Hilde promised that she would ask her father's permission to go down to the ships and look at the strangely beautiful stuffs and jewels on board. What she promised, she did. One day the men of Hegling came before King Hagen and said that they had good news from their home. Their king had found that they had been falsely accused and had therefore restored them to his favour. They wished now to take leave of Hagen and return to their own land. The king was displeased to think of losing his guests and yet they should not go without rich gifts. Sire, said Frut the Weiss, we are so rich that we cannot well accept either silver or gold. But if you would show us a kindness, come on board our galleys with the queen and her ladies and look at our treasures. Wild Hagen shook his head, but his daughter and the queen wished so much to go that he at length gave away. At the appointed hour, when the sails were spread and the ships were ready for departure, the king, queen, princess and their ladies appeared upon the strand. Boats were ready to take them to the ship. Fair Hildy and her maid sprang quickly into a boat steered by Horrent, but when Hagen and his armed followers were about to get into another boat, Wade, Fruit, and Iral thrust them back and pushed off from land. The wild chieftain immediately caught up his spear and rushed into the sea till the waves dashed over his head. Spears were hurled on either side, but Horan brought the princess safely to the ship. Hagen ran along the shore and called despairingly for ships and men to pursue the traitors. But the Irish boats were not ready for sea, and even at that moment the sails of the Hagelings were disappearing in the distance. The voyage lasted many days and many nights. Fair Hildy wept much for her father and mother, 
but Horan sang to her, now of great deeds and now of love, till she was comforted. At length they reached the coast, where King Hetel awaited them. He came down to meet them, and soon gained fair Hildi's heart. On the following morning they prepared to go to Maetelaine, but when they were about to start, they saw white clouds appear on the western horizon, which, as they came nearer, were discovered to be ships forming a great fleet, and from the topmast of each ship floated the banner of the cross. The Hegelings took it to be a fleet of crusaders going out against the unbelieving Vulcan men or Rissen, but very soon a flag was hoisted bearing the arms of Hagen, a tiger, and then they knew that the enemy was approaching. King Hetel and Old Wait drew out their men in battle array on the strand. The old man laughed loud for joy that he was really to have a passage of arms with the warlike Irish king. The other princes advanced with their men to prevent the enemy's landing. The warriors were all of good cheer, but fair Hildy, who looked down from the battlements of the castle on the turmoil below, wrung her hand with grief that she should be the cause of bloodshed. The galleys cast anchor, and boats were put off filled with armed men. The battle began, and so firm was the resistance made to their landing that the boatmen could not approach the shore. Then, while Hagen flung himself into the water and fought his way to land, followed by his bravest men. His blows were so terrible that he carried all before him, and even Hetel fell wounded to the ground and was with difficulty borne away from the field. Old Wait now came forward, and he and Hagen had a hand-to-hand -hand encounter. Each fought like a lion, and neither gave way in the least before the other, although both were severely wounded. At length, King Hetel, his head bandaged and looking pale from the loss of blood, forced his way through the throng of combatants with Hilde leaning on his arm. He threw his arm round Wait, while she did the same thing to her father, and entreated them both to make peace for her sake. Wild Hagen was touched by his daughter's words. He clasped her in his arms and then held out his hand, first to Hetel and then to the grim old hero of Sturmland. Now that the battle was over, Wait went about binding the wounds of all whom he found, whether of Irish or Hageling birth, with some healing herb, of whose virtues he was well aware. In the evening there was a great feast, and next morning the warriors all went to Maitlane, where the marriage was to take place. A ship was sent to bring good Queen Hilde to her daughter's wedding, which was celebrated in the cathedral, with all pomp and circumstance. End of section 26